Step right up. It's nailed. Welcome back. It's been a little while, right? Yeah, I was talking to Blake earlier, and I, I don't think I know how to podcast anymore. So You remember how to podcast. I guess you're just talking to a you mic. Didn't, you Hope didn't, you don't say anything too stupid or you, something that will get you canceled. Oh, we're not, definitely not doing that. I don't know why you'd say that. But just because we were off a little bit doesn't mean we forgot anything. It wasn't that long. So we're finally getting into side two of the downward spiral, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, Halo. Continuing through Halo 8. Yeah, and if you check out the uh, two times LP version of the downward spiral, you'll find that side two is just three long songs. Mm -hmm. Closer. Ruiner. And the Becoming. Oh, I should have said it at the same time as you. Okay, mm -hmm. you say closer again. Closer. Ruiner. And the, the becoming. becoming. <laughs> You're such a dork. <laughs> I thought it would. I thought it would sound better than that. Um, so yeah, those three. Uh, they're all jams. So I don't know. Do you have a history lesson for me on closer or something? Well, I don't know how far we want to well, get into closer because of Halo Nine. Yeah. So closer is gonna basically have its own episode. Halo 9, Closer to God. That is Halo 9, right? Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. um, it's the last track on Halo 9, I think. Yeah, it's essentially a single. That one, it really does have the single song on it. Uh, mm -hmm. Not just remixes. Anyway, but we'll get to that. I mean, I could honestly talk for days about Closer. Yeah, because not too. only is it like one of the most, not only is it one of the oddest songs <laughs> as a single ever, but it's yes. got a killer video. We got to talk about why it's a weird song for a single and why it's a great song for a single. And yeah, it's the, both It's both things at the same time. Yeah, yes. it's both. And yeah, you're, uh, the video is so good. We're going to give it its own episode. Mm -hmm. That's our next bonus, bonus episode. And I cannot wait to talk about the thirsty 12-year-old oh, Jessica. Man. So all every <laughs> horny person who follows us and listens, mm -hmm. uh, people are constantly posting stuff from that video and being like, warning, warning. Horny, thirsty, post ahead. <laughs> um, closer, probably. If you don't know Nine Inch Nails, it might be the only song you've ever heard by them, or had like a hole, even. Yeah, but mm -hmm. you, people might not remember that one as much because it doesn't have the "fuck you like an animal." Oh yeah, it doesn't have that. Closer chorus. is the song that people are. <laughs> people are just like, all right, you're into nin name. Name uh, name a song that isn't "fuck you like an animal." Uh, <laughs> people think that's the title. I yeah. think, um, but it was definitely one of the first songs, maybe the first song by them I ever heard. Other than, uh, well, that and "Head Like a Hole" because they were the only ones that were getting radio play. Mm -hmm. I honestly, I wish I could tell you what my first Nine Inch Nails song would have been because I don't. Was it know. not one of those? Was it something else? I can't remember when I got the Crow soundtrack. Oh, so it might have been. Might have been Dead that's, Souls. Oh, that's crazy. Okay, well, I, I see how that can happen. I bet a lot of young people's first song was Dead Souls cover because of that soundtrack. But yeah, I well, as we already got into on the Crow episode, I didn't get it. I didn't even see it until adulthood. Anyway. Closer is a single and an entry point. Is it like their most successful song ever, maybe? It was just in that uh, 
Fear Street movie for Netflix. Yeah, it started out the the whole series. Yeah. First thing you hear. Yeah. Um, not sure why, but oh well. Ha- happy to hear it. Has it been in anything else that you can think of? Oh, it's been in stuff. It's been in a lot of stuff. We'll talk about it. I mean, Ooh. I know remix versions. Oh, we'll get to talk about the movie Seven on our Halo Nine episode. That's an important uh, mm-hmm. little piece of history. Mm-hmm. When Reznor met Fincher. <laughs> Uh, and life was never the same. So, I did. I I pulled uh, extensive stems from Ruiner and Becoming. Closer, I I one I didn't have time, and two I thought we'd save it till we do the closer episode. Okay. Does that sound reasonable? Yeah, I just hope no one's disappointed. Well, they're they're gonna get it. It's coming. Do you want to hear a a lulzy accolade? Uh. Yeah. Did it win a Kids' Choice Award? What? <laughs> no, that'd be funny, though. No, um, you and I had talked before about, like, the misinterpretation of this song. Um, oh, and we right. can maybe get more into that We sh- Yeah, we can later. talk about it now if you want, but it's... Well, I also think it depends upon how you listen to the song. Like, if all... Well, we'll come back to it, but... Yeah. yeah. Okay, so AOL did a 69 Sexiest Songs of All Time 69. list. 69. Oh, my God. AOL uh-huh. fucking so edgy <laughs> and this was number two wow mm-hmm. what was number oh, wait. i don't know i couldn't find the oh damn my, list are you kidding me every link i went to was like sorry number one site no longer exists it was probably like a print was something off of purple rain <laughs> i don't know maybe it was pussy control prints. no surely not um oh that <laughs> makes that makes me mad. i mean it was probably let's get it on by marvin gay be honest it does make you horny and the video makes you horny and when I say you, I mean you and also a lot of our listeners, um, not me, but horny for the wrong reasons. Is or that fair? the right reasons. But I don't, I mean, he knew he was making a horny song in some ways. He had to have, but I think he was also trying to do something else. Like it was, it's more of a dark song to me than it is. More of a sad song about uh, the wrong kind of relationships than it is a sexy song. Or maybe the wrong... Well, I don't want to say it's a wrong reason to have sex. Mm. But like escapism I think it, through in sex. The, in the scheme, yes, in the scheme of things, that probably is the wrong reason to uh, to F. Not always, though. Sometimes it's... Sometimes it's... And sometimes... Sometimes you got to take the teaches of peaches and just <laughs> oh, number fuck one, the pain away. Number one on AOL's list was <laughs> fuck the pain away. Um, Let's see. Trent Reznor walked so Peaches could run. <laughs> yeah. Fuck the Pain Away is like uh, closer 2.0. <laughs> like, no. Uh, I guess a lot of the sexiest songs are sexy. Or the wrongness of it adds to the sexiness of it in many I, of the. I think. Our favorite tracks. And this is just my interpretation movies. of it. Maybe it's, it's more based upon. Uh, the context that you hear the song in, like if you just hear it on the radio, I mean, there's a darkness to it, obviously, but maybe you wouldn't catch it without the, without it being part of an album, right? Yeah. Whereas when you're listening to the album, you can hear like the progression. It's very different in the context of the album, kind of stuck in the middle or first half of this album. Uh, Different hearing it that way. And I prefer to hear it that way. And then to hear this truncated three to four minute version on the radio. My mom liked this song. (laughs) Your mom. Okay. Why'd she like it? 
She thought it was funny. <laughs> Did she think it was like a novelty song? Like I think Weird Al. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think she thought it was like that kind of novelty. I just don't think she saw the the darkness to it that mm. a lot of people did. And also, my mom's never cared about like language, so <laughs> language. that was not an issue. Language. I think um. the only time she cared about language was when I was listening to Marilyn Manson briefly. Mm. And then way before that, when my cousin Britton lived with us, he was really into to, uh, gangster rap. Okay. And so she did not like her 10-year-old daughter listening to uh, uh, Doggy Style. However... Doggy Style's horny. My cousin Britton bought me a casingle of gin and juice, and I loved that casingle. And I remember driving home listening to it with them, and the chorus is so different from the... The MTV edit, it's like rolling down the street smoking Indo. Mm-hmm. And I remember going, I was so young, I went to Britain, I was like, what's Indo? <laughs> what, what What is the MTV edit versus the real edit? I think it's just edit. rolling down the street smoking, smoking. Oh, really? They did? Okay, Something stupid that's like so that. dumb. Yeah. Yeah. What's Indo, 10-year-old Jess? Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I don't know how we got there, but language, yes. Language. Language did not deter my mom from me listening to stuff. Known for being an obscene song, and Mm -hmm. it didn't stop Jessica's mom. Um, They cut out, when they made it a radio edit, of course, they cut out the F word. But Uh, we all knew what it was. We all knew what it was, yeah. scream along in the car. I think I liked it a lot because I could say fuck in front of my mom because I was singing along to a song. And so my thing was like, hey, it's not me saying it, mom. It's Trent. It's, he did it. He's the bad one. <laughs> he's the bad. He's got the potty mouth. I'm just singing along. We played it on the in the little boombox that I I would bring on the uh, band trips on the bus, and we'd turn the volume down on the cuss words real quick, uh-huh. or we'd be like, <coughs> like cough over it. Did like, your I wanna <coughs> you like an animal? Yeah. Did your bus driver? Did you guys have a radio in the bus? I don't. Remember ever having a radio that worked in a bus? Oh. No, a ours bus. did, and it was always like contemporary country. That sounds like a horrible time. I know. Let's just say that, like, probably every mainstream '90s country hit from like 1990 to 1996. By the time I had friends with cars, I probably know them all. I mean, I'm, I can sing John Deere Green. Oh, I'm sure you can. <laughs> John, is that really a song? Yeah. John Deere Green is on it, a hot summer night. Is there a different song called he Dear wrote John? Billy Bob loves Charlene and letters three. Okay, you don't have to. <laughs> is there a is there a different song called Dear John? I don't I don't know. She thinks my tractor's sexy. Oh, that's Look, a good. That's a. I'm not. Different. I'm not. Indian knocking, outlaw Tim McGraw. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying I don't like the idea of the bus driver choosing what everyone has to listen to. You know. I think they thought it was probably the most family friendly it's not they talk about drinking beer so what i should i i should just like put closer wait am i done talking about my mom and closer oh no is there more to the story I'm yes sorry. Okay. i'm sorry keep going okay so 1996 was when i started high school my freshman mm, year so two, two years after this came out this album crazy and that was around the time that i really got into the downward spiral was probably like the end of eighth grade mm-hmm. beginning of freshman year so, but my sister turned 19. She was a freshman at MSU. She was living in Freddie, which is, everyone knows, the party dorm. It's where the poor kids live. <laughs> That's and where they partied. Uh-huh. And I, by the way, we had too. the best parties. I, didn't I loved like, Freddie. 
I didn't like socializing or partying, so I uh-huh. steered clear of that house. Well, Blake was also in the uh, upper class no, dorm. We called those. Was, were you in Hammonds or New? Yeah, Hammonds. But okay. let me tell you, uh-huh. sharing a bathroom with. I know sharing a bathroom with a whole floor of yeah, people is- Yeah, I shared a bathroom with a whole floor. Is a hellish nightmare experience. I don't think I shat right for a year. No, don't say that. <laughs> that Sorry, like that was thing. gross. Uh, yeah, you had anal retention for all year, I bet. I know you, and I know- I don't like that, pooping around people. Yeah. Sorry. I bet you went- this Did is you a like go home- podcast. On, poo-poo podcast. Did you go home on the weekends with an enormous bowel impaction? No. Oh, God. I never went home on the weekends because my mom lived in Arkansas and I couldn't drive. Um, I didn't have my license then. That's what happens with anal retention. You don't learn how to drive. Was that what you're saying? No. Oh, you're talking about my my, I, my theoretical bowel impaction. I have to cut this because no one is going to, want to listen <laughs> to me talk uh, about bowel impactions. Maybe Taylor will. Uh, listen. Okay. Oh, yeah. We yeah. Hey, we're, um, we're tummy buddies. We both have... have digestive problems so shout out yeah you know solidarity in that um oh no okay so my mom mm -hmm. hired a stripper from my sister for her 19th birthday are you fucking kidding me no how did i not know this i I don't know i never had it recorded on a camcorder what the my mom someone videotaped you said 96 yes she hired a fucking was it like a um a PG thirteen stripper where they don't like whip out their dong? Well he didn't whip out his dong, but he but got down to like thong. a yeah, his thong. <laughs> okay. So he basically, you know, had like a, a sock on his dong, basically. Oh my God, you know? She uh, But she hired this the stripper from my sister for her nineteenth birthday and he came and he stripped at the dorms. Oh, this is And okay. he literally had it's just like in the movies this where they is, filmed it and he comes into the dorm room. Someone had to go and buzz it, him in. Was you he know. A po- what, did he dress as police and be like you're making I, I can't remember what he dressed like, but Sorry, I just remember officer, he came in. We're making too much noise. <laughs> I don't think you're making enough noise. Rips his clothes off. <laughs> that's just Reno nine one one. Sorry. That's good. Yeah. But uh, I can't remember what he was wearing. Um, a sock. You you said it. Well, he got down to you know just his. I think it was a bright yellow thong. Oh, but he came in with his little stereo, his little boombox, mm-hmm. set it up. And Guess what hear... song he? Really? Yes. Oh my god. Yes, because I was talking to Monica about closer, and she's like, "Do you remember Dick the stripper?" Dick. Oh, his name was Dick, oh, by the Jesus. way. Richard something. Richard Dick. <laughs> Richard Big Dick. Um, yeah. That is. You should never let her live that down. Like. Mm. Well, Trent dorm, always talks at about the dorm. At, hey, they were all of age. I mean, I, I feel like eighteen and up. I feel like when I was there, MSU would like put the kibosh on that if they knew a stripper was coming to the dorm. <laughs> I think it was like a Saturday when the hours were more open for co-ed yeah, visitors and like RAs weren't around. Yeah, they probably were home for the weekend or whatever. I think Trent's talked about he's his, talked about his songs being used. In yeah, bars. yeah. I actually do have a quote from him on this. Where he is talking about it. Um, he says, this is what he's saying about Closer and why it was a surprise hit and why it's surprised where he's encountered it, like mm-hmm. out in the public and had to interact with it. But he says, it's super negative and super hateful. It's, I am a piece of shit and I'm declaring that. And if you think you want me, here I am. I didn't think it would become a frat party anthem or a titty dancer anthem. A <laughs> titty dancer. I think my he next. He has a way with words. Yeah. I think my next album is going to be called Music for Titty Bars. Uh, But he also did not know that it was dorm room stripper music. Am I right? Wow. So even even worse than a legit gentleman's club, we're talking a place where they don't even allow alcohol. He has said that 
he's heard hurt be stripped, like someone I, stripping I to hurt. I read that interview too. It said it made him bummed him out because I wonder. I wonder if here's what I wonder though. No one strips to that song. So here's what I wonder. I wonder if it was the Johnny Cash version. <laughs> I wonder if someone knew he was there and was like. Maybe, but Let's if you put pick, on you like pick that a song, you're a fucking, fucking idiot. <laughs> like, unless you like hate Trent and want to like make him sad, I don't. I don't know. It's it's too sad of a song to strip to. Honestly, I saw someone strip to a really sad song once, and now I can't remember what it was. So give me a minute. Okay, and while you're thinking, back when I did things like go to uh, strip clubs, and Jess was there a lot of those times. I'm not a pervert. Uh, I wish they had people Megan. who attend strip clubs are not perverts. Okay. Uh, often they are, though. I, I wish they had Megan the Stallion back then, because now, like, I can't imagine using any other music. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's all you need. Blake has recently gotten into Megan because we're singing we're, Megan. Yeah, we are yeah. going to see her, so I might as well get familiar with the. And I, I'm a fan, and so now, now Blake is a fan. Yeah. Um, was there any more to that sad story? Well, that was just that quote about how. Yeah. He never thought that this piece of art was number one, oh. a single that would work on radio, and number two would be co-opted yeah. by, I guess, uh, totally different cultures than what is normally Nine yeah. Inch Nails fandom, I guess. Um, but I think I have a bunch of notes on this song, and if you want to want to wait, we can save them all for uh, Closer to God. Okay. Because there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about. Yeah, it's just what he was saying about it's an I'm a piece of shit song. Yeah, that that comes through pretty clearly if you're listening to the lyrics carefully. Um, or you don't even have to be that careful. They are right out in the open um, that the song is more about a an unhealthy, um, oh, what do you call it? Fixation? A fixation, obsession? but also a uh, obsession, sure, maybe, but a uh, codependency, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than a healthy sexual relationship. Maybe talking to someone who's not even aware of you or mm-hmm. someone who doesn't care. Yeah, and Steiner, well, there's a lot of ways you can interpret this song as is, is he actually even addressing anybody? Is this all fantasy? Yeah. Whatever, but Steiner also talked about how in modern parlance, this song has incel vibes. Oh. But we can talk about that later. Maybe give you some time to think on it and why he would say that. But I can think of some lyrics automatically that. Yeah. <clears throat> maybe. I mean, that wasn't even a term then. No. <laughs> that was not. not. It's kind of like how they've uh, prescribed that to uh, all the, the aughts emo music. I don't know. There was some big, art- big article recently about uh, incel cultural and aughts emo. Send me that. That'd be interesting to read. Yeah, and I should. I gotta find it. Even if I don't agree with it, or. <laughs> I mean, I I think it's on the on the mark, at least partially. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we didn't ha- we didn't talk about it that way back then. Uh, let me see if there's anything I really wanted to get out about closer. Now before we move on, Reznor didn't anticipate any song on this album being a commercial success, and I I. My opinion is, why would he? Like, it doesn't... If you listen to this whole thing through, the downward spiral, it doesn't sound like there are... Like, like there are singles. singles or club bangers or crowd pleasers. Um, but we have we have March of the Pigs. And, and Closer is... You could see it as a dance song. It has the disco sort of beat. And I think that's why it works as a single. But to me... I wrote something down that I felt was important. Some important opinion that I had 
Um, to me, closer is like dance music with all joy and life removed from it. So take a, a disco dance song, a club song, and remove all joy, or, all joy, <laughs> yeah. all organic life. Mm-hmm. You leave only this machine-like husk. To me, it's almost like a parody or satire of of dance music or disco music. Hence the term like death disco, right? Oh, is that a term? I don't know. That, I've heard people describe it as like that death sounds disco, right. That might have been disco. in the ICSI video too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I also said it was closer to closer. It's closer <laughs> to uh, haunted house music than it is to disco, though. <laughs> uh, but he himself has often described the beat as disco, so that's why I keep going back to that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean. We'll talk about this more, I guess, when we talk about like breaking the song apart. But it's based on uh, that beat comes from uh, Iggy Pop's nightclubbing, yeah. And that was written, um, produced by Bowie, and uh, co-written by Bowie, I believe. So yeah, it's, but they it's are clear why he was listening to that. Yeah, but they're they were kind of going through a weird like. Um, it was when Bowie was recording, like you know, working on his Berlin trilogy. I think that the idiot. Which is what the song came from. I think mm-hmm. it came out in the same year as Low. I think they're both 77, maybe. Every album came out in 77. <laughs> that was the year my, s- my sister was born. Every okay. Was London Calling 77? Oh, wait. Uh, I thought that was 79. 77 was their debut. I'm sorry. 78 <gasps> was their second album. 79 uh-huh. was London Calling. You're right. Yeah. Thank you. So um, Adam Steiner described this as like the sheen of drag cabaret sleaze <laughs> that Iggy and Bowie discovered in their late 70s Berlin exile. So yeah, it's that. got that kind of uh, sleaziness about it. Yeah. Definitely more sleazy than sexy. Mm-hmm. But but I can see the sexy too. If, yeah. You, people are going to see it as sexy. A lot of you do. I can see both and sides. It just depends fine. upon, I think, context and interpretation, like we talked about. When he says, I want to fuck you like an animal, I don't. I don't personally feel a lot of connection. <laughs> I don't feel any big emotions on that line. Do you? I don't want to talk about it here. <laughs> uh, this is the only place you can talk about it, really. Um, what do you mean you don't feel anything? I don't. Uh, I feel more like an emptiness than I feel some kind of like wave. some kind of passion. Or? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't feel a passion. Or um or sexiness, I feel a, a a darkness and an emptiness. It's not a nice thing to say, <laughs> in my opinion. No, I had a friend one time I was talking to though, and this was a long time ago, and he said we were kind of drunk he said, and just I like fuck you like an animal, and you were like, <laughs> all right. I was like chastity pillow. Oh Jesus! <laughs> if you know, you know. If you know, you know. Um, and we were we were talking, like I said, probably a little drunk, probably post bar hangout. Mm-hmm. Hanging out in the car talking. And he said something like, sometimes I just want sex to hurt. I just want sex to be degrading and no feelings attached and just mm-hmm. just kind of like I just want to fuck mm-hmm. is basically how he put it. And that's what I kind of think of when I hear the chorus of the song. It's not that there's not any passion there. It's just kind of a... a a different sensation that sometimes you need to feel. Maybe. Well, we know he is, he was always into those different sensations. That kinky shit, we know he's into it. I've seen the broken movie. Um, and, you know, see the closer video for further evidence. But I, I wanted to bring up something that's related to what you said. 
um, Roman in Succession, if you watch that show, mm-hmm. what he says something like, uh, can it just be a little wrong? Uh, <laughs> like he can't have normal sex at all with his uh, Beautiful girlfriends. Girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, he has more than one like uh, model girlfriend and they're just like, yeah, I know your dick doesn't work. You, we, we don't bang. And he's like, ah, it, it, it just, it just, uh, could we do it? Uh, I forget what he says, but uh, he can only kind of get off when it, he does it with someone he really shouldn't in a very wrong way. <laughs> or if it's like a, a role playing. Remember yeah. when she was playing dead girl or something? Oh, and he, yeah. He was yeah. like, pretend you're dead because it has to feel a bit wrong or I can't get into it. Uh, anyway, 30, 30 odd minutes in. Okay. And we're still not even done talking about it. So, should do you, what do you have anything else on Closer? Or I have a lot. I have a lot. Let's just go to Ruiner and we'll okay. come back to Closer. Closer is track five. And uh, after the long um, instrumental outro, of course, we hear the downward spiral motif and that final uh, piano note ends on the downbeat where. Ruiner begins, right? So they are, they've faded into each other, or not faded. Like this, like segue. They are merged as one. This is album-oriented rock, folks. Uh, Better listened to as an album. Four minutes, 57 seconds. Okay. I might have guessed longer, but do you have any background stuff on it? Um, I believe that Reznor once said that this was the hardest song for him to write. And he said, I still don't know if I got it right. I have such a bad vibe from that song now, from it sucking in so many different ways. It was actually two different songs stuck together. To me, he said two. Mm-hmm. I, it almost sounds like three to me, honestly. We The verse, the chorus, and then the bluesy bridge. Where we to, get that guitar solo. Yeah, to me, it could be three songs mashed up into one. And I think the whole thing works, and I really like it, but... It, if there were if there were a downside, it, it might be a little bit of that, you know, you can tell that it's multiple songs yeah, crammed together. But I think it I think he pulls it off. Yeah. But before we get too far into this, I do want to say that he also um to Melody Maker in ninety four was talking about this record and he said as the record goes on, the structures of the songs get worse and less predictable. At one point, I realized every song I'd ever written was a pop song, and I wanted to destroy that, destroy everything, destroy my career, and destroy myself in that process, maybe. And I think that when Closer ends, Uh Ruiner and The Becoming are perfect examples of songs with totally non-pop-sensical structures, and they're not predictable and... yeah. Ruiner had give you very strange vibes. Ruiner has like a, a mutated pop quality. Like there is recognizable, like a, a cool, accessible beat on the verse. It's like, all right, we this is up tempo. We got a cool groove going, but then it goes in different directions. That's like this is not pleasant. Uh, I really like it on a musical level, but you know, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not radio material or anything. Yeah. So there's also a demo version. I don't know if we're going to talk about that at all, but it's on should, the- Because uh, it's it's different, and I, I think we should listen to okay. it. Okay. Um, and this song was produced by Flood and Reznor, mixing by Alan Mulder. I actually have research. <laughs> I forgot that I did this research a while back. Okay. But this is um, related to what you said. 
This is from Guitar World 1994. 94 was the year he did 9,000 <laughs> interviews for 9,000 magazines. Yes. And, and not only that, he did so many projects. Anyway, um, he said, there's always one song per record, maybe two if you're real lucky where you work and work and work, and it just takes a hell of a long time for the song to come together. On Pretty Hate Machine, it was Kinda I Want To, which I still think sucks, <laughs> and that's what I get. All right, I feel a little validated there. Um, those songs took an unbelievable amount of work. Yikes, that's what I get took an... Uh, <laughs> how long did he work on that one? I don't know. Um, he should have kept the original arrangement. Anyway, uh, he went on to say that Ruiner was the problem child on The Downward Spiral. Uh, he said he has a bad vibe from it now. Yeah. And like Jess said, it's two different songs stuck together. Maybe that's part of the bad vibe he carries around because he remembers it as the problem song that, you know, you get stuck in the studio and, you, and you're like, how the fuck are we going to fix this thing? Um, and how are we going to make these songs work together? But I, I don't ha- most of us have a more pleasant vibe from it because we just dig the song. We don't have that. Oh, baggage. I don't get pleasant vibes from this. Well, not pleasant. We have a. We're more entertained by it. We're not bummed out by it. Okay. Because we just dig the song. We don't have the baggage he has. Do you want to talk about the um the solo part because it has a really wild bridge, folks? Yeah. So there's that guitar solo. Um, Reznor said that he kind of stumbled on that sound that he's using the do you want me to do the quote it's also guitar world 90 april 94 um he says well i can do the quote it says i think i accidentally called up the wrong patch i'm not a soloist i was just laughing when i was playing with this ridiculous sound i later realized i tried to play com- a comfortably numb type solo i played the song for chris chris brenna <laughs> and i was thinking he's going to start laughing it's silly but he goes man that guitar section was fucking great um, and I think he was using a Zoom pedal preset. Yes, uh, it was the Zoom. It was a Zoom. By all accounts, it was a Zoom box, a rack, not a pedal, but a rack mountable unit. But you know, it does the same thing. So you run your guitar through the digital effects in the Zoom. Um, he he didn't even. He says he used almost zero amps on this album. So ran the guitar uh, through Zoom, then into into the console and then i think from there into a computer and then he dicked around with the guitar parts and turbo synth anyway there's a whole workflow that maybe we can talk about at some point um but i would bore just to tears and it would take forever but it's really cool that maybe a bonus up i only just recently learned that is it yeah is it weird to you that almost that he didn't even want a guitar through an amp sound on this whole album (laughs) I mean, like, that's not the way things are normally done. Yeah. Unless you're like punk rock in 1977 and you don't own an amp and you freak the engineer out because you plug your guitar straight into his console and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, That was a thing. So Reznor kind of brought that back around, but he knew what he was doing. Anyway, all that to say the the, um, preset that he called up on the Zoom is this really wild effect that sounds like comfortably numb and it it's so different from what from what he normally plays. I never 
thought in a million years it was him because uh, it doesn't have that Reznor guitar sound, really. It has a real classic rock. Yeah, it's blues. It's yeah. like pure blues going up and down blue scales, uh, improvising a little bit. I mean, it's got the distortion on it, but it's... it's... It, it, the distortion is an understatement. It is <laughs> really out there. I'll isolate it later. Yeah. But we should also play some Comfortably Numb for comparison. Okay. Because I listened semi-recently, and yeah, they're... I see what he's saying there. And of course, he grew up loving the wall. So that was in his brain. Uh, And I think it just came out semi-subconsciously when he sat down to uh, dick around with this guitar part. But yeah, I was like, he had a a guest guitarist maybe on on this song. Uh, I don't know. Was it Adrian Blue? But uh, no, it was him playing something really out of his comfort zone. Anyway. Anything right. else on Runer? Or should I just... Um, I don't think so. Are you going to talk about any of the samples or um, the Elephant Man stuff or... Yeah. Should we play it first? Yeah. Let's, let's or should play we, it. Should we play the, the demo first or the... We can play parts of the demo. Yeah. So the beat is pretty different. And it does this... does this for a while i i think he really improved upon the beat later on Mm -hmm. this is a little more boring and and it goes on and on but i guess it's just a demo and it's missing the the hip-hop loop we'll talk about later the vocals are really uh weird in in comparison There we go. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I like that distorted. It, maybe it was just meant as temporary scratch vocal tracks. Whoa. This chorus makes me blush more than anything on Closer ever did. It's, it's filthy. And not in any sexy way at all. Oh, where's the, where's the vocal? It's Is whispered. It e- oh, yeah, barely, barely in the, uh-huh. like the right ear. Let's see, I, mi- I missed that, that quick little hip-hop beat. snare hit type thing on two and four. He's doing something really different on vocals in this part. A lot more melodic. Tay called this rap earlier.
so he doesn't he doesn't do the loud yeah. kind of yelling uh, second chorus. Vocal. I mean, it's almost completely lost. Yeah, and maybe it was maybe it was never really meant to be heard since it's a demo. Okay, a weird little hi hat and a kick. He loves that kick sample. <laughs> It sounds like the heresy. This this might be the same bass and guitar performance. I think they kept that. Right? Sounds the same to me. Yeah. And I'll... When we listen to the real version, I'll, I'll talk about the drums and theories about these drums. Should we go to Comfortably Numb just for comparison? We can do that right now, yeah. Yeah. This little end part is great. He slides up the neck. Yeah, that effect on there is so insane. I'm going to skip to the uh, solo section. God, it's a six and a half minute song. It's like the closer of this album. <laughs> I have such fond memories of being stoned with my sister listening to this. Is it this part? Listen to that. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, lots of... it's. It's a similar tempo, uh, halftime, and um, a real squealing, scooping up to those high notes. This um, guitar tone is a lot more, a lot less insane than the yes. Ruiner one. Is that the whole thing? I mean, that was that's not even halfway through. There's probably like more guitar solos, or maybe not. Okay, this one has a little harder edge. The second guitar solo of the song. <laughs> so that's how they roll. This this one's a little more like Ruiner. Yeah. Oh, I hear it. And then, you know. Blue scales. I need to be high. I need to get stoned with my sister again and listen to this song. <laughs> and order up a stripper. Uh, Maybe Dick is still around. Have, have Dick dance to Closer. He's in his 60s or whatever. He's probably in his late 40s. This, this does go on. Not bad, though. 
I don't know where where to say it. So speaking of guitars, what do you think he played on the Downward Spiral? Oh, what, what guitar? Yeah, I don't know what like what he played where, but Let, okay. So you a Les Paul? I don't. Yes, he. This is what he said he used, um, and there are several '80s Les Paul custom, um, an Epiphone Explorer. He said the Jackson. The Jackson is back. Was it the Dinky? I don't know. I don't know if Jackson makes other guitars. I don't know a lot about guitars, but remember the Jackson Dinky from mm-hmm. Head Like, Head like a, a Hole? <laughs> Apparently he played that, or a Jackson, that he had them put the world's loudest pickup in. Uh, that's all. According to Guitar World <laughs> magazine. Okay. In 1994? Yeah. <laughs> the, the same sure. one. The same one. Okay, let's actually finally play the real ruiner i'm sorry you hear the little piano note from the end of closer now that's the beat i know and love where that beat come from we'll talk about it because i have stems but it's a it's it's from well we'll get into it sample this is a way better way to deliver the vocals oh totally and the and the beat The demo didn't have this synth, right? It it did. Oh. It sounded a little more dry. Okay. So you think this so extremely dramatic wall of synthesizer? Mm-hmm. Um kind of hits you in the face do you think this is part of the it's like so other epic yeah it's super it's like like almost like video game uh, villain Movie is, score is this part of do you think this was part of one song and the verse was part of another song yeah i don't i don't know how to interpret this and song there's such a different feel to this when i hear that chorus and compare it to the verses i'm just like I do really love this, the groove of the verse. I, I can't get enough of it. Especially, okay, some, some live drum comes in here. Right there. Love this. And my favorite, I think my favorite part parts of the song are contained in this verse two here, and I'll isolate them later. All the best shit. <laughs> We're mouthing the, did it you? A lot of layers here. Some maybe rapping, spoken word, some sung. Extremely sludgy chug-a-chug metal guitar. In addition to the wall of dramatic scent. Those lyrics though. You'll have to tell me your interpretation of the lyrics. Don't, don't, don't act, don't. We'll talk about it after. Because you can't just have a song that's, how'd you get so big and strong? That's why how'd it's like so a hard, how'd different it get so long? song. I don't even he- feel the connection between that and the choruses. Uh, 
the verse and the chorus? Mm -hmm. I do. I, I see a through line there. I, I like how they took the little hi-hat thing out. Way better than the demo here. Love how the drum comes in. Love how everything's panned hard left and right. The drum and bass is in your right, and the guitar is all in your left. So it's like this weird, disjointed, alienated way of doing a classic rocky, bluesy breakdown. So insane the way he slides up. And then, yeah, back into ultra-dramatic mode. That cool little that synth line there, whatever that is. And then we just end on a lot of whispering. And yeah, that, that snare... I always thought it sounded like someone smashing a window. Doesn't it sound like that? Broken, like glass breaking? And yeah, his, his whispers are panning left to right. Freaking, freaking your brain out. He gets he gets to say nothing can nothing can S T O we don't get the, we don't get P. Doesn't even get to finish the word stop. It's just nothing can It's the hardest nothing stop. Can the hardest stop. Nin stop. I mean he loves his hard stops, mm -hmm. and that's, you know, an all timer. Um so I think Ruiner <laughs> Lyrical Analysis. Or at least themes of the song. It's a song that's angry at some ex external person. To me, it seems a song that's more angry at an external person than it is directing the anger and hatred inside, as many of the songs do on here. Or, do you agree on that? Or do you have a different way of looking at it? No, I can see that. And then you're calling the person the ruiner, and he, he does in the lyrics. The ruiner ruins everything he sees. The verse he spends... Every line talking about how shitty this person is. And I think the chorus is an extension of that somewhat. Um, if he's speaking to the same person, he's asking the person how how they get so big and strong, how to get so hard, how to get so long, um, which is not the most sophisticated lyric he ever wrote. What do you think of it? Is it meant to be dirty? Because I, I don't know. I always thought I feel it, dirty listening to this, and I do closer. Yeah, it's impossible to hear that and not think of something really nasty. Like the uh, first few times I heard this, I was like kind of blushing, like yeah. whoa. And is it you know like a you know a, a fourteen year old girl listening is going whoa? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we're not talking. We're not talking about a consensual sex act here. You know wh whatever it is that we're talking about. At least it doesn't seem that way. Someone has really wronged him, the speaker. That's what I get from it. 
wronged him and wronged the rest of the world is implied in the lyrics a whole bunch of other people at least serving a shit to his flies i think he says mm-hmm. i mean i have i always had theories since i first heard it but they're just so they're so unpleasant that i don't even really want to talk at length someone else can <laughs> talk at length about it uh if you want but i'm not sure that i want to or maybe it's something about i'd like to hear what Reznor has to say about it but I don't know how much he's talked about this one in particular. I just know he said it was hard to write. <laughs> and long and big and strong. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what he said. Hold on. I think that was in Guitar World in 1994. Yeah, he said it was the hardest one on the album. I was, never mind. Sorry. Trying to make a joke. Oh, but. I, we've established I don't get most jokes unless I make them. I don't really want to interpret this. Okay. <laughs> we'll leave that. I feel like some, I've always been way, way more of a music person than a lyric person. I feel like we're going to disappoint some people who are super duper lyric people. You're more of a lyric person than I am. Maybe I don't want to talk about this song. Okay. Well, that I don't either. It's, as I said, extremely unpleasant subject matter, or it seems to be. So, should we break down some stims? Does, 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 stims? Blake Stim Corner. <laughs> I'm not even drunk. What am I doing? I don't know, guys. We're seriously have, drinking LaCroix. Sto- it's a ha- Wednesday night. In honor of Trent, uh, I got LaCroix. It's not mango, but it's my favorite, Key Lime. I'm also drinking Key Lime because the hibiscus flavor was not cool. So. Oh, well, that's your fault. Um, since you may, Some people may think Key Lime is gross. You, you, you motherfucker. <laughs> Actually, I, I like plain lime. I think it's classic. Plain and it's lime is fine if key is not available. I mean, I guess. Uh, okay, let me. I never have these in a good order, so let's start with that that loop. Okay. Oh, uh. let me look this up. So this is a modified. From what we understand, it's a modified sample. Hang on a sec. What was it called? Art of Noise? Uh, Beatbox by Art of Noise. Beatbox. The artist is called Art of Art of Noise. The piece is called Beatbox Diversion 1. It's an eight and a half minute epic from 1984. I think it's just some instrumental, like 12 inch. Mm-hmm. It's that, I think that's all it is. And then it goes into something. But I think he just grabbed the part where, it, not this, but that, this, the second half, where it's syncopated. But he, he added something to it and, you know, distorted it up as, as he was wont to do. And sped it up, which has, makes it a lot oh, more yeah, exciting. Oh, it's definitely sped up. But yeah, it's, it, the DNA is there. Um, and that was just, I think that was the, like the center channel from the surround sound mix. It's the most simple version of that drum beat. I'll play the, the intro, including the little synth part that I love. We're going to hear that little thing. 
I think, come up in another form in another song. Did you know that? That little synth no, line. No. to talk about Something it. similar comes up later. We'll get to it. Okay. Not on this side. Um, okay. Um, okay. The vocals on verse one. These are what I call the dirty vocals. Just one of the layers. To me, that sounds more like spoken than sung, Mm -hmm. but put through so heavy like a ring modulation effect that it's almost lost its humanity. Hard to tell what it is. But yeah, the layers together create such a bizarre, creepy vocal effect. Let's see. This is another vocal layered on top of that for that, that part. more whispering then we get to the chorus and there are a few synthesizer things going on that i wanted to highlight because they're going on underneath the really loud guitar and really loud um wall of of synth things that you might miss that I, I missed for a long time, I think. It's kind of running underneath all the chorus stuff. And th- this as well is going on. And you can hear the, the glass breaking mm-hmm. snare sound on the twos and fours. Such a weird sound. And the vocals on chorus one are really quiet, but isolated here, you can hear them emphasize more. Long. Ixie said something in her Ruiner video about the pronunciation of long being, I don't know, very alluring to people. She's waggling her eyebrows. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I I don't know. I never... I've heard the way I pronounce theater is very cool. So <laughs> I don't think that's related. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying sometimes uh, people are attracted to the way sure, people sure. speak. Sure, sure. Hey, yeah. some people like a southern, a southern bell lilt. I'm not, that's, that's not, that's a not what you have. <laughs> I was doing kind of a foghorn leghorn. Um, okay. Verse two vocals. As I said, my favorite part's coming up. The melody of the vocals here. And harmony. Oh, I love it. Very, very melodic, not whispered or rapped. That harmony. Did you hear that? Too good. Um, okay, the, my favorite. So a, a new synth, I've, I think for a long time I thought it was a guitar, but this is what he did. This is what he does. It's what Adam Steiner called the man machine mystique. Uh, and maybe he borrowed that from Kraftwerk. But um, 
I thought it was a guitar. It's a synth. Sometimes I think something is a synth. It's a guitar. Anyway, this little thing, in addition to the live drums coming in on verse two, which he, you know, he said that there are very few true live drum parts. It's more like sampled drum hits recreated uh, and triggered via keyboard. I think that's probably what this is on the song, even on the uh, breakdown part later. We'll get to it. But that that bit of live hi-hat and snare come in that you hear, and this really cool synth, and then more awesome stuff happens in verse 2. Love that. But this, is a, this is a synth patch from Closer, by the way. love it yeah you can hear the little oh um <laughs> so we get to the there's the second chorus and then there's the solo section what's that what's that whining this okay this bass that an elephant? it might be the elephant man sample or okay sounded like this elephants is, th- to me. this is what i think is the elephant maybe they both are but this is what I called spooky wind. Blake has Good. never seen the Elephant Man, by nah, the way. So I'm we're gonna idiot. we're gonna remedy that soon. In Ixie's video, she called it a ghostly wind. It might be an elephant. I just just showed me that scene. I I haven't seen the whole movie, but just showed me the scene before we did this. It had elephants. I'm not sure what was happening or <laughs> what I was hearing, but. <laughs> this is like pitched up or down. But I remember that rhythmic clacking from the movie, the scene you showed me. There's some screaming mixed in there. Mm -hmm. There's buried screaming from the movie Parents. Oh. And what a weird, goofy, like, dark comedy to include. Literally do not remember this movie, even though you say we watched it We watched the movie Parents with Randy. We're going to have to go through the whole movie. Yeah, it goes, it's just such a weird collage of samples. I took a big, uh, big chunk of it here. <laughs> and, yeah, and it leads into the, the final course there. Um, the bass performance is better than I, th- I think we give a credit for when you solo it up. Listen to this. You think it's Trent? Probably is. Probably. It's not credited to anyone else. The guitar solo by itself. You can hear that crazy zoom tone.
so damn noisy. <laughs> yeah, that level of distortion is insane. Um, and then my favorite part, what I believe to be uh, sampled drum hits played via sampler. And again, we in every track we got bleed over from screaming. It's a little it's a little machine like, but it also does sound like real live drum hits. Those toms are so fat and huge. Yeah, I may not have anything else. I mean the the other parts kind of speak for themselves, the choruses and everything. So yeah, Ruiner. It's a good one. One for the ages. I give it a thumbs up from, from me. Should we move on to the becoming? Let's do it. Finally, a song that doesn't have a demo. <laughs> uh, as far as I know. Uh, this one. Once again, Flood and Resner production, Alan Mulder, mixing engineer. Um, Flood also plays the, I don't even know what this is. ARP 2600? Oh, a synth. Let me look at... That's what I assumed. Yeah, let me look it up real quick. And ring mod guitar is... Uh, so a guitar run through a ring modulation effect. Adrian Blue. Okay. I wonder where that is. I, I didn't... I don't know. We'll have to listen for it. I forgot that he was on this one playing ring mod guitar. Okay. Yeah, the ARP or the ARP 2600 is is a big uh, modular or semi-modular, big analog synth, I'm assuming. The big old briefcase style synth. Anything you want to talk about before we play it? Sure. So, I guess we can talk about the screaming whenever we get to it. Yeah. and um, I mean, it's right. It's almost right away. Yeah. I. Honestly, this song is one of my favorites, but it's also one of the um, maybe s- scary. Scariest. <laughs> it's scary and it's disorienting. Most difficult to and listen it's to. A lot of a lot of things, but it's also got like these some moments of beauty. Um, yeah, I think anyway. It has a a pretty a, a calm, pretty breakdown fake out in the vein of March of the Pigs where it's like everything got quiet and everything is going to be okay. And then we go back to the harsh stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we end again on the the mellow stuff. So kind of that same structure as March of the Pigs did, but obviously a very different song, mm-hmm. <sighs> more long form. Um, as far as the, the screaming thing, do you think this, so the most of the song is, has underlying scream noises that are pretty upfront, uh, sampled from the movie called Robot Jocks by Stuart Gordon. Oh my gosh, we almost watched it the other night. We we couldn't find access to it. Oh, we? that's right, it wasn't we, available we were, to stream. Yeah, we almost did, but we watched the preview, and I was like, it showed the scene that I think the sample comes from when the okay, so basically it's, it's giant like these robots. giant robots, it's, like military it's Pacific Rim. That's what it is. Anyway, but, so it's like military weapons of war, right? They're yeah. giant robots piloted by men, though. Like, but they're not like yeah. they're inside the robots. Like Blake said, it's Pacific Rim. So, yeah. um, 
Anyway, there's a scene where a robot falls backwards mm-hmm. and like crushes a bunch of people who are yeah. like spectators yeah. to these death machines. Mm-hmm. And it's the screams are taken from when he gets out of the robot and is walking along the wreckage and there are people who are in pain and dying, you know, mm-hmm. and these are their screams. That's what the screams are. So that's, to me, it always sounded like before I knew what movie this came from, it just sounded like a carousel from hell because of <laughs> the way like the the screams like swirl. I, I don't know how to yeah. describe it, but there's something Well, they're about on a it. loop that kind of loops yes. around, but you don't. You've the, got the, the looping screams yeah. and um, like the the beginning piano rolls. Like mm-hmm. it all kind of contributes to me for like the, being very disorienting experience. I thought it was from the first time I heard it. I thought it was spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny you say hell. We talked about the hell imagery on Broken a lot, right? Mm-hmm. To me, this sounded like the screams of the damned from <laughs> from hell. Yeah. Totally. Um, and <clears throat> it was a little disturbing to young teenage Blake. And, you know, I was like, oh, well, I shouldn't be listening to this, you know. Uh, yeah. And especially because a lot of my listening to this album was actually in headphones. Um, yeah, same. Because I liked it loud. And, and yeah, uh, very intimate screams in your ears. Yes. Uh and just, it's supposed to be disturbing, clearly. That's the way it was made. Uh, but it's a very bold choice to have horror screams throughout. The song is really notable to me for having an unusual time signature. This album has a bunch of them. You know, we talked about March of the Pigs yes. having the, the, the seven, uh, seven, eight. And this one basically just has, it's a measure of seven, four, plus a measure of six, four. You could call it, 13-4 if you were really weird. Um, and then when it goes to the bridge, it's just a simple 3-4. But a lot of switching around there. Uh, so not much chance for radio play for many, many reasons on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, not that that's what it was aiming for. On th- With this and all these, I would really recommend listening to the surround sound mixes on a surround sound 5.1 system. Especially on the becoming, there's some crazy shit swirling all around you. Especially on the acoustic breakdown with the um, bizarre noises and that guitar just swirling all around the five dot one spectrum. Mm-hmm. Also, this song has the lyrics that was on my dissonant dissonant shirt that I got in trouble for wearing in junior high. Right, it has cussing. Are you wearing the shirt now, or a variation of it? Oh, no, this is my eraser shirt, but oh. it's the bootleg I ordered. Um, but it says, like, the F word on the back? Or well, does... this does, yes. Okay. Because it has the yeah, lyrics from... She had the dissonance shirt uh-huh. that said, God damn this noise inside my head. Did yeah. you... You got a, a remake of the shirt? No, I'm looking for someone to do a bootleg of it. Okay, so you know, uh, you have so... She has a lot of shirts, folks. Uh-huh. A lot of shirts. I was trying to collect one for each Halo, and then it just went out of control. Now it's like... Uh, one for each song. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you never got a... You have so many, but you never got a recreation of that. No, no. Shirt. Okay, interesting. Someday. Someday. But it's, yeah, that'll, it's that'll the one be with a grail. The, the print that is upside down. Yeah, um, I think, and I, we've talked about this on a podcast. Maybe this one before, maybe a different one. But it was because this girl got mad at me because 
I. That girl sucks. Her boyfriend had left his initials and hickeys on her neck, like well, oh, the lower, like her chest. Stupid. She like pulled down her shirt to show people, Whatever. and I was like, I was like, that's just kind of gross. Yeah, it's <laughs> I, I just dumb kinda, as hell. We were in also eighth grade. Oh my god. Also, I was. Uh, that Mormon was, weird. I don't know. That was ballsy of you, though, to just be like, yikes, that's kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, well, I wasn't implying that she was gross, just the hickeys and yeah. the, the, the boy, whatever. It was weird. It'd be the equivalent today of someone posting a selfie. But anyway. And you comment, gross. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, God, that's horrible. <laughs> just look at it from her perspective. She was big uh, mad. That's why she told on you. Yeah, she did. She went and told our home ec teacher, Miss Galette, that I... My shirt had curse words on it. And by the way, I'd worn it to school many times and no one ever noticed it because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it was upside down and people aren't looking that closely. Anyway, so I got a tap on my shoulder and Miss Galette was like, Ooh. you need to turn that inside out and never wear it to school again. I can't believe your mother. Oh, my God. And I was like, she you said, don't know my mother. Said that? Come on. Yeah. I don't even think my mom noticed that it said that. I don't think she would care either way. I'm pretty sure I remember a some girl wearing like a bad girl. Wearing that same shirt. Because I remember... Bad girls. This was before... And this... I was probably in junior high. And before I even was... Knew anything about Mm -hmm. men. Um, And I just remember... Oh, that's a... She's bad. Because her shirt says... God damn on it a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. It was like... Repeated, right? No, I don't think it... Oh, there is a version that does have it repeated. Oh, maybe that's the one There's a couple. Maybe that's a different one that she hit. Yeah. Um, I remember that. I also got in trouble in high school for wearing a white zombie t-shirt that said, say you love Satan on the back. <laughs> I, uh, I, I only wore it because I stayed the night with a friend and she was like one of those, she's teeny tiny and mm-hmm. I was never teeny tiny. Anyway, so she um, had a t-shirt that was her ex-boyfriend's and she was like, you can wear it. You can just have it. I don't want it. So I wore it to school because I stayed the night at her house and... Got in trouble for that pretty early in the day. And I yeah. think they were like, you can turn it inside out or you can go home. And I was like, I'm going home. Don't give the <laughs> go kid that option. Home. For sure. Like, why would you stay at school? I don't know. I was mad because kids wear Jesus shirts all the time. But whatever. Say say you love Jesus. You can't say you love Satan, though. All right. Should we, should we blast it? <laughs> I know you're ready to. All right. Let's play this. EMF. The Becoming. Creepy piano, weird noises. We don't, oh, crescendo. Oh shit. It's so, it's so electronic. All we hear are electronics with a bunch of screaming. It's like the Terminator apocalypse or something. the nightmare sarah connor has yeah and t2 about the nukes blowing people away mm-hmm. or see it as the robots you know mowing down all the people or whatever i hope that Reznor and and ross reimagine the terminator score at some point i i We've think didn't i say this. that yeah. i said because someone asked what your dream score for them to redo and it's like terminator baby 
when we get into the stems, we'll discuss just how much is kind of going on underneath the surface here that it takes many listens to kind of pick up on. Most of the song is this, this, this repetition, yep. this little synth bass line. It's not like there's a chorus per se. Oh, the piano came back. Here's Jess's favorite part, she told me. It's a really good vocal performance here. Literally just laying in my bed screaming silently along to this and my headphones on. Think you can still do that? Um, good question. This one would be hard as hell to do live, and that's probably why it hasn't been done live a whole lot. Okay, so now I just played a lot on Dissonance Tour. Okay. We're chilling, vibing. Mm-hmm. Some interesting lyrics that don't seem connected to the rest of the lyrics maybe and that's a little weird Annie who is she I know who I think she is we talked about it I think we'll we'll, we'll we'll get there and right back in to the horror of it all and this little do you think this is a synth or a guitar freak out solo it's probably a synth yeah, it's one of those, I hard to say which one it is, but maybe it is synth. Or, is that the guitar? Oh my god. Oh yeah, I forgot to listen for the Adrian Ballou. Extremely metal uh, final portion here. The double kicks. And the song ends uh, on a long, long kind of fade out of the uh, the chill section, but. This time, no lyrics. Other than him going, even even on the nice chill part, there are upsetting, weird um, sounds happening in, in the background there. So on the CD, of course, I do not want this fades in. 
I can't remember on the vinyl now because you have to flip the side. You have to flip the vinyl, or actually, you have to go to a new disc to get. To I do not want this, mm-hmm. right? I guess we'll figure it out for next yeah, time. Yeah, I guess we'll <laughs> I guess we'll see if the, if they completely changed around that fade um, for the definitive vinyl. I want to. I really want to know what that Adrian Blue guitar is. It doesn't. I mean. It, honest to God, could be that. Like, remember the the stuff he played on Mister Self Destruct was mm-hmm. so insane and so affected that it barely registered as a guitar. I thought it was some sort of synth thing for a long time. It could be this. Because I don't, I don't hear much guitar in the song except the metal chugga chugga guitar toward the end. And then, of course, the acoustic, acoustic guitar, but it's yeah. not that. Um, man, hard to say. If someone, someone should just tell us. Right into us. Um, hit up the hit up the nail bag, <sighs> nailedpod at gmail.com. So, any thoughts on lyrics? You were telling me something about the about Annie. Oh well, I guess we can talk about Annie. Annie, Annie is referring to Andrea Mulrain, who was. Uh, who Trent dated in college whenever he was briefly enrolled and maybe a short time after he dropped out, but he told Alternative Press, Annie was abstractly referring to a college sweetheart slash heartbreak situation that at the time I was writing that song was a valid source of emotional pain to draw from. Her Mm. name is Andrea Mulrain. Okay, so... Here's her phone number. No. (laughs) Jess. Um, I think he said that as a joke. Oh, Okay. We're going to, that is kind of funny. I didn't realize that was part of the interview. He's going to dox her. <laughs> they didn't have that word then. Um, so yeah, he I think, was. I think that interview was actually done later. It wasn't like 90. I don't remember. Oh. I thought it was 2005 or something. Oh, okay. The wound was maybe still so open that he was, was the pain was so bad still that he's going to put her name in a song when he's never put anyone else's name in a song. This is what Jess was saying earlier. Oh, I didn't say anything about the pain. I just said I don't think he's no, ever used yeah, a woman's name a in name. a song at, or a person's name. Other than Piggy, the name Piggy. Well, I mean, yeah. come on. Uh, we know we know who Piggy is. But yeah, you don't, it's, it's weird to say Annie. Uh, unless we're talking Annie, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. What do you think she thought? Do you think she, she probably heard this, right? Oh, yeah. I'm sure she did. But do you think she was like obsessed? That's me. <laughs> Uh, stalker. I don't know. Maybe they were still buddies. Maybe. She could have been a little freaked out, or maybe she took it well. I don't know. Or maybe she's like, I'm famous. Yeah. It's disturbing lyrical material. And I, as I was saying, the, the bridge lyrics about Annie and stuff, a little disconnected from what the verse is, which I think is about turning into a machine and losing your humanity. Having no feeling. Yeah. I guess it's 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 connected. It's mm-hmm. just a very different vibe, and that's on purpose, I'm sure. So should I do becoming stims? Go to the stim zone. Do it. Okay. Welcome to the stim zone. <laughs> this is the part I said sounds like a. I said a springy mattress. Yeah. Didn't I? You did. You said like a springy a, mattress that uh-huh. you're bouncing on. Those are the noises from the intro. makes me feel like I'm springing. I don't know how to describe it well, like, other than... It's kind of rusty metal uh-huh. sound like a spring would be. 
I'd like to know exactly where he got that. But those noises run throughout most of the song. And you hear a little ghost of the piano. Speaking of the piano, even more more squeal. These are like squeals. I always kind of thought he was playing, it was like, oh, Trent, you know, at a grand piano or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, listening really closely, I think this is faked. <laughs> um, not as in like, he's a faker, but like, it's either, it, it's not, it's not a, a live acoustic organic piano. It's either a patch or it's samples of a piano that are sequenced. It's just too perfect and too clipped. Listen very carefully, Jess. Tell me what you think. Especially that little when it goes, it's like goes off and weird. It's 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 mechanicalized. Yeah, it definitely doesn't feel organic. that weird sustained buildup yeah no you nobody makes a real live piano sound that way while playing it like a a human being wouldn't sound like that on the piano a a machine might but who knows trent likes to do things to us he likes to fuck with us he Mm -hmm. he that is a known where you go oh that sounds kind of off yeah it's again the the triple m okay the man machine mystique that's what it is okay um Jess is so not impressed by the no! triple M. I know, I think it's Jess funny. Jess doesn't give one shit about the triple M, but I'm sticking with it. Okay. As a running theme Okay. for this album, okay? Yeah. Okay, so that, that, that piano bit is replaced by the synth bass. The fat, juicy. Yeah. Wait, is this the, this might be the ARP 2600. Who was on it? Was it Flood? Art me, Daddy. Was it Flood or Mulder? Uh, it was Flood. Okay. That's probably what that is. Maybe. Or it could be this. This is uh, this is what I called hidden synths. Stuff I didn't know was there until I got the, um, <clears throat> the surround sound channel rips. Listen to those. Those are creepy, man. Insect. And the clicking... Yeah, and then the really just just made like a a pained face. This scraping of going left to right, right to left. Ooh, it's nasty. Uh, uh, very unpleasant. Jess is wincing in pain. <laughs> more, more of the clicks. Okay, so then the the rhythmic uh, thing comes in that. Uh, it kind of mimics the rhythm of him saying, won't give up, wants me dead. It happens before he gets to the won't give up. It's kind of a rhythmic foreshadowing noise. And just some, you know, screams for good measure. And like a little tambourine sound in there. That's that's what's in the surround speakers. So I noticed there were really prominent screams right in my ear because the one of the, the left surrounds while we were listening earlier, 
left surround speaker was right by my ear. So I mm-hmm. got the screams really up close and personal. <laughs> yeah, I was hearing weird new stuff in the surround mix that I I'd never really noticed before. Always something new. Then the, that synth bass becomes uh, more distorted as the song goes on. Crunchy now, almost like a guitar, but it's not. Maybe it's run through that zoom. And it gets more and more distorted as it goes. Uh, this is what all the, uh, this is what some of the ladies come for. Um, soloing up Trent's vocals in the bridge. He's in the bathroom. Um, okay, then after I think uh, we were talking about how his vocals sound so dirty a lot of the times. Yeah. And I was thinking about like a quote that Sean Beaven said, which was like, like Reznor once said to him something to the effect of sometimes things have to sound really shitty to sound really good. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I think that describes a lot of this album. A lot of it, when you take it on its own, sounds shitty or low quality or something. But again, as I said last episode, and I'll probably keep saying forever, there's a very more of the sum, I said that wrong, more than the sum of its parts quality to all this. And I will stand by that. I'll harp on that forever. I'll harp on it as much as I harp on the triple M. What's wrong with me? Do you think people think I'm a fucking goofball yes oh jesus um mark my words people will be behind me on the triple m concept um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay so we're getting to the the end of the stems um just to kind of emphasize his whispered part on this so that's the whisper but we get layers including the Demented Screech. So Manson-y. Yeah, I, I thought that too. Um, and that always freaked me out a bit uh, it always really stood out but hearing it by itself i'm like can trent really do that naturally listen to the listen to how high up there i think it's run through something to pitch it up um do you do you think it could, that could have been performed naturally or do you are you thinking it's it's too high to really be his normal i don't range? know I'm, I'm thinking it's too far out there. I'm thinking it's very affected. I don't know. We know we know that he was like we know that they were playing around with tape speed. They would do things like play a guitar part at one at one speed uh, on the uh, to the tape machine, then play the tape back at half speed or double speed or whatever it was to get and you get a different pitch. 
or you know it goes down an octave or up an octave maybe they did a sort of and that's this is how they achieved alvin and the chipmunks uh they sped up the tape so maybe it was an alvin situation <laughs> where you know uh they alvin, did double Simon, they <laughs> do, do, recorded do, do, do. at 15 well, i'm gonna get uh, for the tape heads out there maybe he recorded an octave down singing it at 15 inches per second on the tape and then played it back at 30 inches per second. We know he did that exact um, technique with guitar because he talked about it in Guitar World, our favorite article. So that's just my theory. If anyone else knows, maybe he just ran it through Zoom and there was like a Zoom setting that was like, pitch up or whatever, octave up. Creepy witch voice. (laughs) Creepy witch. It does kind of sound like a witch's cackle. Yeah, there needs to be just like a ha, 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 in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I don't have much left. Hang on. I swear I will get there. The metal climax is what I call. I just have goofy names for these, and I have to try to remember what they were. Metal okay. climax. Oh, yeah. Is this blood incantation? I really love this. It's awesome. There's so many things going on. So there's the double kick. uh, And this is all, I assume, uh, sequenced drums. But that snare probably taken from a real snare sample. Kind of that high pingy uh, uh, snare you hear in metal a lot. Of course, the the whole thing is influenced by... uh, metal and some people who are into metal could tell me what subgenre, but I don't know. Um, with the double kicks and stuff. And then the really fat, and th- this may also be a sped up performance of the chugga chugga. It's just so, it's so like it would, it'd be, I mean, a lot of people can pull that off, but hard to play, uh, that accurately at that speed. Um, but a really cool thing that's almost kind of like hidden in there, uh, but but fun to isolate. Yeah, maybe the most metal part of the album. Maybe I shouldn't say that quite yet, but one of the, <laughs> one of the most traditional metal-y thingies. Yeah, that's that's a good technical term, I think. Metal thingies. Metal thingies. Um. Okay, I think that's all I had for becoming. Okay. I was just reading through these lyrics and I Yeah, was, give us lyrical interpretation. I don't want to here. interpret them, but I'm just saying that they make me feel really sad. Oh no. Why? I Okay, so the lyrics are um well part of them like, okay, all pain disappears, is the nature of my circuitry, drowns out all I hear, no escape from this, my new consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I know I just think of it as like um I don't know, kind of the, like when you struggle with like depression and things like that, like, I don't know if it's sometimes you feel too much that you can't feel or sometimes you just can't feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Because I feel like sometimes I get overwhelmed because I, I've, I'm a little sensitive. <laughs> um, yes, we both are. Yeah. And uh, we both struggle with like um, depression. Oh, um, call, call me out on the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Sorry. It's uh, it's an open secret, folks. 
but there are times where it just feels like there is no pain because there is no feeling like mm-hmm. that depression can sometimes be so all encompassing. That's that comes and up a lot, and you feel like you're not going to get out of it. So it does seem yeah. like it's just your new. It's you. Oh, it's, it's your new. It's, this it's is the new, new me. This is the new. This is me. It's my con. My new consciousness. Like I'm just. That's probably why I connected with this so much as a teenager. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the things like even when I'm right with you, I'm so far away. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not even. Yeah, I feeling like anything that a lot. for the people around me. Mm-hmm. Or feel like I can connect to them on any level because they don't seem to be, or at least put the appearance of that they're not like struggling, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, if you think they're not on your wavelength, they're not connecting. Yeah. Or just, I, I just can't feel anything for them because I can't feel. Like it's it's yeah. really a sad horrible situation to be in and when i was a teenager and then in probably my mid to late 20s uh were the two worst times other than pandemic depression which was a Mm. whole other animal i I feel like it's really changed me and i don't know if it's good or not yet but hopefully it's good anyway if if that (laughs) is is good change an option i didn't know that (laughs) that's something that we could get out of this but i hope it's the good kind of yeah, if I don't know. I mean, table. it's just something that I've struggled with again, which is one reason that I um, reconnected with this album. I think, yeah. like, I remember in the beginning days of the depression or the depression. De- well, we are in the <laughs> Great the, Depression, the Great Depression of uh, the twenties. I remember though, in early days of the pandemic, you would like come into our room, and I would just be laying in bed, oh, yeah. listening to this album, and you'd be like, "Are you okay?" And I'm oh, like, "Oh no." I'm fine. <laughs> and then Just you're like, let me listen to my music. Blake, I think we need to start a podcast. I did not. That was you. Was it me? I don't know. It was both of us. But yeah, we we reconnected with Nine Inch Nails during the pandemic in a big way. They were never gone from my radar, but yeah. they there was ebb and flow. I think that's normal, though, with a lot of yeah. music. If you're a big music person, you can't listen yeah. to everything all the time. Yeah, I could not be at 100 with them my whole life. It it's, it would be too much. Yeah. But, but I, I uh, anyway, I was just thinking about the lyrics of this song and uh, the lyrics to I Do Not Want This, which will be the next song that we talk about in our next episode. But those mm-hmm. were things that I really connected with a lot as a, a kid. And then I found myself reconnecting with these lyrics again uh, during um the pandemic with just this whole album just this whole vibe yeah <laughs> there's a, the whole album has a vibe of uh numbing and and not feeling yeah. and not caring and nothing can stop me because i don't care well i feel like honestly i cared too much and that's why i was so upset and i just couldn't understand why no one else was as upset i mean i'm sure yeah. people were I don't know. I don't know how to describe I, uh, the pandemic emotions. I'm sure there will be some kind of buzz term for it later that someone will coin. We'll have our own sort of PTSD diagnosis um, just for us. Yeah. I mean, everyone's suffering from like burnout. and. But anyway, yeah. So, yeah. sorry. I went on a bummer for a second well, there. Uh, you know, that's what we're here for, I guess. We are talking about TDS here, so... We're talking about TDS. We're not talking about BTS. Like <laughs> Maybe we should do a palate cleanser and just talk about BTS and have oh Katie God. on. <laughs> and we could just like chill. Uh, I'd like to hear that. Yeah, that'd I've be never, a fun I don't think thing. I've ever heard their music once, but. 
uh, if she wants to talk to talk about them, she's welcome on. Okay. Um, all right. So that that was side two. Next time, side three. You got. I do not want this. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Big man with a gun. One of my least favorites. So I can't wait for the I have, Blake Jessica. I have special feelings on it. But I feel like it will be a fun discussion nonetheless. Yeah, as much as you can when yeah. uh, Chorus is, I'm going to come all over you. <laughs> love it. I love it. Great. Uh, a Warm Place, which is beautiful and much One needed. One of the best. One of the best. And then Eraser, which is also- Eraser, man. One of my favorites. What a, what a monster of a song. Yeah. So got that to look forward to, uh, hopefully in two weeks. In two weeks. Um, coming up at next, though, if you're a patron and subscribe to our Patreon, you're going to get a bonus episode about the Closer video. Um, I can't wait to talk about it and all the art illusions and the mm-hmm. creation of the video and the direction. Ooh, and, we, got, um, we got something special uh it's not that we that special. We took a special picture. We'll you'll find out when we get there. But it's <laughs> related to the art of the closer video. It really and is. And it involves us and yeah. Um we we photographed ourselves hanging nude from the ceiling <laughs> in BDSM gear. And there's a big slab and of meat behind it's me. It's hot as hell. Uh-huh. Some a person we all really like on in the uh uh, you know, an influencer in the in the internet. I maybe I shouldn't on even the Instagram. Talk you can did, cut it out. Just did, talk to it. Did to uh, did herself doing a lot of recreations of closer imagery. The music video, uh, pretty pretty intense stuff. I was like, whoa, you you did that. Did you see that? No. You didn't see the the in a, the nin feed. No. Oh my god. You. You've got to, to like get, I've been off for a and, while. Okay, we yeah we did take a short social media break. Um, well, you really missed out if you missed this one. So if you want to hear that bonus episode, and we're switching things around, there's going to be a, a Patreon just for nailed. Or uh, anyway, there's going to be a nailed podcast dedicated Patreon uh, to get to that. You can now go to nailedpod.com. Takes you to our link tree with all our stuff. All our socials are right on there, including the Patreon. So subscribe there as low as $5 a month and you get our bonus episodes. And And thank you, though, to all our subscribers because I have headphones on that are not squeezing out my head. So we both have headphones (laughs) now that we're wearing that are comfortable to wear. And sound better, which means you get four hour podcasts from us. Yeah, and I'm I'm I don't even have headphone fatigue. the The last ones were kind of falling apart, and they made our heads and ears sweat like crazy, and they hurt to wear. These are like the Cadillac of headphones. Yeah, I, don't, not, I don't know. They're if not they are. quite, but they're not they're not cheap either. Hey, um, we saw Dua Lipa holding a pair of these bad boys. We, that Dua uses them. So good enough for Dua, good enough for me. Uh, it's because of the plush ear yeah. foam thing. You guys will not believe how good these feel compared ear pad. to our the old ear headphones. pads. Are there? I got them for that reason because the ear pads are like a nice pillow. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so thank thanks you. to all our patrons thank and for thanks supporting. for everyone who bought a, a pin because that's where that money went was to equipment. So subscribe at nailedpod.com and you can follow us. Uh, there's links there to Instagram at nailedpod and Twitter at nailedpod. 
We're very active and fun on Instagram. Oh, and if you subscribe, you get to go to our Discord as well, which we have fun there and talk to listeners all day and night. Anything I'm forgetting? Um, I don't think so. Uh, any questions, concerns, e- email us at... Questions, concerns, corrections. Corrections. Stories omissions. you want to share. Did your mom hire a stripper who danced to Closer? Yeah. If you I want to hear your story. If you want your email shared on our nail bag episode, which we'll do in the future, uh, put like nail bag in the subject, I guess. Uh, nailedpod at gmail.com. That's probably it. We've probably gone long enough now. Two hours or so. <laughs> Anything else, Jesse? Oh, you call me Jesse. That's rare. I, that's rare. I call you that all the freaking time. Maybe not on the podcast, but oh, maybe da- not in podcast. our daily lives. Good grief. I only that's let you a- call me Jesse. No one else. Yeah, damn right. If anyone else calls me Jesse, I punch them. No, you don't. Your I mom say, does. Your mom um, does. That's because she says Jesse Ann, which is totally different. I say and that. It's, I say that. And it's when lot. I'm in trouble. <laughs> I say that a lot when you're in trouble, too. I know. That's why when I hear Jesse Ann, I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. What I do now? <laughs> I'm bad. <laughs> bad girl for life. Let's end it. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Catch you next time. Until then, didn't that make you feel better? 